If you have your Bible, please open it to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 24 through 29. Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. And happy Mother's Day again to, to everyone. And hopefully you moms will have a wonderful day today. Madison Wood was a Fellowship of Christian Athletes college intern. I shared last week about her battle with bone cancer. Uh, This week, she went to be with Jesus. Many are grieving her death, and and rightfully so. But but her death isn't defeat. It's it's actually victory. For her life hasn't ended in death. It will continue. And I'm sure her battle with cancer was hard and, and very painful. But, but she never gave up on life. She never lost hope. She persevered to the end. And I wish I can tell you that, that, that Christians are immune to suffering. We're not. The gospel saves us from our sin, but it does not save us from suffering. We will go through stuff. If you have saving faith in Jesus today, then you, you please understand that you will suffer in, in this life. You will experience loss, hurt, sickness. You're not protected from the hard things of life. Faith doesn't bulletproof you from suffering. And instead, it, it strengthens you to persevere through it. Yes, it will be hard. It will be painful. You will cry. It will break you, maybe. It will even anger you. But you don't have to give up. You don't have to lose hope. Why? Because Jesus is able. Because God is sovereign over us. And Jesus will comfort you. He will sustain you in the midst of of the hardness. Comfort you in the midst of, of the battle. But he'll never bulletproof you. But he will be with you through all that you go through. And here's the reality, reality that we, we all must accept as believers. And that is growing into persevering sufferers is one characteristic of mature Christians. You will grow into being a persevering sufferer. Philippians 1.29 says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, that you should not only believe in him, but you should also suffer for his sake. But do we believe it? Are you growing into a persevering sufferer? It is one way that God's, God the Father matures you in, in the greatest of all time, and that is Christ. Growing into a, 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 a mature Christians grow into being persevering sufferers, and they grow into being persevering stewards. Persevering stewards. Your Bible, open your Bible to Colossians 1, beginning in verse 24, and I'll be going all the way through verse 29. This is God's word. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make known the word of God fully, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, 
To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches or the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I labor, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. This is God's word. Please pray with and for me. Father God, today, for some, is a day of pain because some have lost mothers. So not all will be rejoicing today about Mother's Day. And so I I pray for those who for this day is a day of pain and a day of sadness. I pray that you will comfort them, sustain them, remind them that, that you're good that you're faithful, and that you have not abandoned them. So comfort those, Lord, who, who are experiencing loss and have experienced loss. And I also pray for the time of you know, the preaching of your word, that, that you would take these words and, and minister to our hearts, minister to, to where we are today. We don't all come here in the same place. Now, we all come hiding stuff and pretending everything's great, but everything's not great. There's a lot lot of pain behind these smiling faces, a lot of brokenness, a lot of hurt, a lot of confusion, a lot of doubt, a lot of unbelief. So that's what I want you to minister to today, not the smiling faces, the things that we're hiding, the things that we're unsure about, the struggles, the fear, the uncertainties. You need to go there with us today, and I pray that you would for your glory and Christ's glory. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. The book of Colossians is Paul's letter from a Roman jail. It's written from a broken place, a suffering place, uh, uh, and it's written to a church that he didn't plant, to a group of believers that, that he's never seen face to face. He doesn't know them personally, but yet he cares about them. He cares about this church. He cares about their maturity and their faith. He cares about them because he knows that he's connected to them spiritually in Christ. Because the Colossians, these Christians in Colossae, are part of the body of Christ. Just like Paul is part of the body of Christ. And you're part of the body of Christ. And so that means you are connected to believers you haven't ever seen face-to-face. You probably won't ever see face-to-face. Those you don't even know personally. Those who are culturally, racially, politically, and economically different than you. You're connected to those believers too. Why? Because all believers in the world are in union with Jesus and are members of his body, the church. They're your family. It's broken for sure. It's dysfunctional at times. Filled with many issues and drama. But in Christ, we are brothers and sisters forever. This is us. I may get on your nerves, but guess what? I'm going to be in heaven with you one day. You may break fellowship with me, but guess what? I'm going to see you on the side of glory one day. You cannot get rid of your brothers and sisters in Christ. One day, you will be with them in glory. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 and 27 says, God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that liked it 
that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Believers aren't to live what I call a navel-gazer lifestyle. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? You're not to live a life that's completely centered and focused on you. Your family, your spouse, your kids, your health, your career, your bills, your problems, your world. Naval gazers don't have time for anyone else or anything else outside their existence because they're too busy looking down at their own life and they can't see what's going on around them. They may be indifferent to it or they may not even care about other people. A naval gazing lifestyle is not a spiritual gift. It's not a spiritual gift. It's not a sign of Christian maturity because mature believers look not only after their own interests, but they also look to the interests of others. To the interests of others. Colossians 6, 9 and 10 says, Let us not grow weary in doing good. In due season you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. The Colossians are part of the household of faith. And Paul cares for them in this letter. You see, he doesn't use his present suffering as an excuse not to care. Because he's in jail. Okay? He didn't have to write this letter. He could have been complaining to God about why am I locked up for the kingdom? Why am I in jail? I'm the apostle Paul for crying out loud. Why am I in jail? Instead, he uses his suffering as an opportunity to care about other brothers and sisters in Christ. He says to them, I rejoice in my affliction for your sake. In my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body. That is the church, which includes the Colossians, which also includes us. Paul hints at a second characteristic of mature believers, and that is, you are to be growing into being stewards of all that God has given you. What is a steward? A steward manages the property of someone else. The resources of someone else. A steward is responsible to look after and care for something that she doesn't own. So when you look at your life, do you function as a steward over all that's in your life? Or do you function like you're the owner of all that's in your life? If you live a navel gazer lifestyle, then you function like an owner. You function like a boss. And if we're honest with our hearts, and are we ready to be honest? If we're honest, then we will admit we function like owners. I know I do. Because we like to be in charge. We're the boss. Now, we'll spiritualize it. Because we can't be too obvious about it. So we season our life with a little bit of Jesus, like it's some season salt. Because we can't, we can't be up here obvious, so we got to season Jesus with it. And so we do that as Christians. We want to be the boss and owner of our time, talents, and treasures. Now, I know I do. What about you? 
and our hearts, and, our, and our, see, our hearts are, de- are deceptive. They deceive us, but our hearts give us away every time. See, our, when it comes to our stuff, when it comes to our time and our talents and our treasures, this is what our heart says. I work for that, so I own it. I went to school, so it's mine. I made the sacrifices, so it belongs to me. I hustled. I sweated. I stayed up late. I earned everything I got. So it's mine to use how I please. Now, what do you think Jesus says about that mentality? What about your heavenly father? Is he going to say, that's my daughter. I'm so proud of her for those words. That's my son. You go, boy. No. He doesn't pat us on the back for living a life that denies his presence and existence in our life. A.W. Tozer says, too many Christians, too many professing believers talk as if Jesus were real, and they act as if he's not. We say it with our lips, but when we look at our life, he's not real. Because we live as if he's not. Believers, this is myself included, Believers who live like owners of all their time, talents, and treasures, you, you are like that one coworker that gets on everybody's nerves. And you all know that one coworker, the one who acts like your boss but isn't your boss. You all had a co- or you may have been that coworker. <laughs> Giving you instructions, telling you what to do. Checking in on you, giving you assignments, giving you unsolicited advice on how to do your job better, it irritates you to no end. And that coworker needs to be put back in his place because he's confused. He's forgotten he's on the same level as you. Worker, not boss. He's functioning outside of his lane. And so are you when you live like the owner of everything in your life. Believers are not in their proper lane if they think they are the owner of their time, talents, and treasures. You're doing to God what that co-worker does to you. Please know that. That same co-worker that irritates you, telling you what to do, that's how you treat God when it comes to your time, talents, and treasures. The same thing. And if you won't tolerate it, why do you think God's going to tolerate it? He doesn't. Because he eventually puts us back in our place because he humbles us and takes things away. When, it come, when you come to faith in Jesus, you surrender all rights and claims of ownership of your life and everything in your life. Is that the gospel we present to people? Or are we just tell them you can't get saved and everything's going to be great? And you continue to live how you want to live. It all belongs to Jesus. Yes, salvation is free. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, it's based upon the finished work of Christ. Thank you, God. But it does cost you everything. The ownership of your whole life. So if you confess your sins to Jesus today, repent of those sins, you will be, and accept him as your Lord and Savior, you will be forgiven. You will be accepted. You will be adopted into God's kingdom. And guess what? You will also be put in a different lane. Not the lane of owner, not the lane of boss, but the lane of steward. That would be your permanent lane if you are a believer. You don't own your time, talents, and treasure. God owns them. God's the boss. 
And please understand this. He's the boss on paper. He's the boss in application. He's the boss in function. He's the boss in reality. And he's never the one confused, okay? He's always in his proper lane. We're the ones who's confused. Our lane is always steward over everything in our life, never the boss of everything in our life. Mature Christians know this. They understand this. And they struggle with it, but yet they press on forward in it. They grow into being persevering stewards by God's grace, using their time and talents and treasures for God's glory and God's purposes. This is how you have to understand Paul's words in verses 25 to 27. He became a minister of the church according to the stewardship of God, given to him for the Colossians, for their benefit, for their good. So he's not a navel-gazing minister. He doesn't use the ministry for his own gain. He's not an owner of the ministry. He's a steward of it. He's a steward of the gospel message, just a point. He shares the gospel with others, hoping that many will believe. In 1 Corinthians 9, 22-23, he says, I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. He's a steward of the gospel message. That's what he is. And he's a steward of the church. He's a steward of the church, too. As a steward of the gospel, he, he makes the word of God fully known. And that means he makes, the gospel, he makes known the mystery of God's plan of redemption. And, the, and he calls it a mystery because it wasn't just for the Jews. It was also for the Gentiles. That was the mystery of the gospel, that the Gentiles are included in God's redemptive plan. Verse 25, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make known the word of God fully, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches or the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Gentiles, you are a Gentile. I hope you know that. I'm a Gentile. And we, have, we are fellow heirs with the Jews, members of the same body, partakers of the promises of Christ in the gospel. Paul makes this known to them because he's a steward of the gospel. He's also a steward of the church. This means he uses his gifts to benefit and to edify the church, and not himself. I want you to think about that. He says he's a minister of the church by God's stewardship. So all his gifts, he used them to edify and to build up the other believers, to walk alongside of them, to be present with them. He says in verse 28 and 29, Jesus we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I labor, struggling with all his energy, that he so powerfully works in me. Mature believers grow into the same thing. You grow into being a persevering steward, a steward of the gospel and a steward of the church, using your, your time and talents and treasures to, to share the gospel and truth to share the gospel indeed. You use your gifts to, to edify and build up the body of Christ. So where are you this morning? What lane are you living in? 
Are you an owner? Are you a steward? Do you share the gospel? Do you edify the body of the church? The gospel is good news. Do you believe that? Do you believe the gospel is good news? It's words of life for a dying, broken world. And believers, the church, we're stewards of that good news. We don't own it. We don't hoard it. We should freely and lovingly share it with our neighbors. We do it through evangelism. Evangelism isn't easy. But all of us are called to do it, to give a reason for the hope that we have in Christ. This summer, we have, in a few weeks, we have a community walk in Lincoln Park. Will some of you come to be part of that? We have a Bible club this Sunday, this in June. Will some of you participate? Will you be a steward to the gospel in your life? Will you look for intentional ways to use your time, talents, and treasures for evangelistic purposes? Look at where God has you. Look at where you work, live, and play. And trust me, there are lost people there. There are people there who don't know Jesus. There are hurting people there. There are broken people there. Do we have eyes to see? Stewardship, being a steward of the gospel, is about caring enough for people to make room for them in your life. Is there room in your life for lost souls? Is there room in your life for broken people? Is there room in your life for for people who are different than you? If you're a steward of the gospel, you make room for people. You make time for people. Will you make make time to stand with the least of these? There are some people that, that, that we need to stand with. Not judge them, but stand with them. Will you use your treasure to help the orphan, the stranger, the needy? Because if you are a steward of all that you got, then you realize God has called you to use it not just for your own end, to use your time and talent and treasure to advance his kingdom in this world. It ain't easy. It's a struggle. But we do have the Holy Spirit living in us, giving us strength and giving us the boldness to do it, helping us to be able to, to share the gospel and truth and share gospel deeds. Mature believers grow into being persevering stewards of the gospel. But do you believe it? They also grow in being being persevering stewards of the church. This means you use your time and talents and treasures to edify and build up the body of Christ. Here at the village church or the global church. We are on. I don't own the village church. Okay. I'm just a steward. The elders don't own it. The deacons don't own it. We're stewards. We're not bosses of the church. We're all stewards. So when you think about your role and, 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 and how you function within the, the church, are you a steward of the church? Are you an owner of the church? Or are you simply a consumer of the church? How do you use your gifts? Do you use them to edify and build up or to consume? These aren't just for grown-ups. This is also for our youth and kids. Every kid here, I need your attention. Pastor Alex, want to talk to you. Kids and youth, you are part of the body. And that means God has given you time, talents, and treasure that you can use to edify this body of Christ. Now, we might not have the bells and whistles, youth ministry and children ministry, but we do have a diverse community who loves you and wants you to be part 
of the body of Christ here. We want you to know what it means to live in community with other believers. If you don't experience that before you leave here and graduate, more than likely you won't be part of the church when you leave here. If you leave this church, you don't know what it means to be part of the community of Christ, guess what happens when you go to college? You don't be part of it. You can't turn this stuff on and off. We want you to leave here knowing, I know what it means to be part of a body, to be part of a diverse body of Christ that reflects the kingdom. I like being around Christians. I like having them in my life. So that's what we want for you. That's why we are have out having the kids come up and help with different parts of the service. Because we want you to know this is just not your mom and dad's church. This is your church too. And you can serve here as well. So if you have gifts, if you want to play the drums, if you have music gifts, if you want to sing, who knows? One of you may be the pastor of the church one day. Who knows what God can do? I ain't going to be here forever. Pastor Adam's going to die at some point. Who knows what God can raise you up to do for his kingdom? And the good news is that he can use you now, even if you're five, even if you're ten, because you're creating God's image and you have gifts that can benefit this church. And I want you to use them. And I'll support you. That's what Christ wants for, 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 for us, you and your parents, to be stewards of his body. It won't be easy. It won't be, it will be hard because church folk have issues. Okay? Because church folk keep stuff stirred up at times. And they do. They're messy. We're family. Now we got a new conversation room over here. I don't want that to become the gossip room. Because it can. Because we all got issues. We're broken in Jesus. We will be coming together. And this is us. We ain't going to be perfect. I'm going to sin against you. You're going to sin against me. But if I sin against you, you need to come to me and not go to anybody else. And I'll do the same for you. Being a steward of the church isn't simply you just coming to do stuff. SEC classes or being an officer or being a deacon or serving in the nursery or putting out coffee or doing, singing in the worship we're singing on the worship team. It's you placing a high value on the communion of saints. That's what it means. It's you placing a high value on the communion of saints. A high value on being with God's people. Because one day, that's all you're going to be with. Why not experience that now? The communion of saints is you getting a taste of what it's actually going to be like in glory to be with God's people. He's giving you a taste of that. So it ain't just maintaining this building. That's not, that's not just what it means to be a steward of the church. It's maintaining relationships with the body. Being in relationships, being in community, being with God's people, walking alongside of God's people, loving God's people, fellowshipping with God's people, keeping short accounts with God's people, Giving God's people grace, being present with them. That's what it means to be a steward of the body. There's a show on NBC that has worked its way into the hearts of many Americans. And it's about a diverse family. It's called This Is Us. Now, I haven't watched one episode because I don't watch TV to cry and get into all my feelings. I watch to laugh (laughs) and to be entertained. But my wife did share with me one one of the most touching, heart-grabbing moments in the show. And this scene demonstrates what it looks like for you to be a steward of the church. 
to be stewards of one another. The scene is centered around the two, two brothers in the family, Randall, who is African-American, and Kevin, who is Caucasian. Now, Randall is a businessman. He's in, he's, he, he has a business career. Kevin is an aspiring actor. He won't, he won't, he's trying to break through. And so in this scene, he gets his big break, gets a big opportunity. But his brother, Randall, calls him up, and he sees, he senses something is wrong. So Kevin has to make a decision. Do I give up on my big break, that which can lead to more acting jobs, or do I go and be with my brother, who I know needs me? And so I want to show you this quick scene, and then I'll wrap up after that. Oh, you're going to bomb it, dude. You're going to bomb it. It's fine. Kevin, five minutes. Okay. Help us to, to, to function as stewards of all that you have given us in our life. It's a struggle, Lord. That's a struggle for me because I'm selfish. I pray you help me to loosen up my hands, loosen up my time, loosen up my talents, loosen up my treasures, to use them to be a steward of the gospel and a steward of the church. Because it's about people. It's about making room for people. You made room for us at your table. You made room for your enemies at your table. How can we not make room, Father, for other people in our life? So, Jesus, help us to truly be like you. Not say we're like you, but to actually be like you in a way that we live and treat one another. And how we function amongst one another. You have to do it, Lord. Because if it's up to us in our own power, we will not do it. So, Holy Spirit, humble us, grow us to be persevering stewards for God's glory. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.